Welcome back, boys and girls, to week two of the college football season. I guess this is what, week negative two? Yeah, I was going to say, I think week negative three. Week negative three, yes. I'll have to, I'll have to crunch numbers somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm getting lost in some of this translation here of where we actually are in the start until SEC kicks off. But week negative four, I guess, was last week. Week The, the initial, the inaugural Labor Day weekend of college football was last week. It was a... I mean, it was a Labor Day weekend with football on, which is always fun. But in terms of actual quality of games, I'm going to say it was pretty low. I don't know about that, Bagman. Uh, I started out four for one, so uh, I'll maybe, call that some quality games out there. Yeah, um, maybe maybe my start of being one and four to start is, is weighing in here. I, I do remember looking up in the first two games, it was like Marshall was beating whoever the hell they were playing by like 35 to nothing at halftime. And then um, it was Marshall EKU, and then Army. Uh, Army was up like also thirty-eight points at halftime in the first two games. Like, hey, football's back. First two games, football's back. Blowouts. blowouts, yes. But no, I, I did. I will, I will hand up in the air here. It was week one. I was zero and, or one and four. Excuse me. I had my South Alabama Jags uh, covering in the first game, and then had a brutal stretch the rest of the way, culminating in the. BYU ass kicking 55 to 3 over my Navy squad. It goes to show you you should probably practice tackling before the season starts. Yeah, I did I see those comments from their head coach. I, I'm just a football analyst, but uh, no coach. I'll say hand in the air. I'm not a coach, but I will say tackling important. Well, coaches are brilliant. Every coach that is, everyone that ascends to the to the status of a head coach is a Rhodes Scholar, you know, they're all they're all brilliant people. They're, you know, we could never understand the intricacies of college football like they do. But yes, I agree, tackling seems to be a critical part of the game. And when you don't t- practice tackling throughout your fall camp, you tend to lose games 55-3. I mean, Les Miles eating that grass about 10 years ago proved that college football coaches are the smartest people on the planet. Yes, yes. I mean, Hugh Freeze using a, not, not even using a burner phone, using his phone. university-issued phone to call escorts, yeah, that's Wait, not the best. Are thing. you saying I shouldn't use my pick your poison work phone <laughs> to call prostitutes because I might have to come back in a second? Well, yeah, we'll revisit that with HR after this podcast, but no, we'll get back. Uh, I was one and four. I'm, I'm going to quote the great Ted Lasso here and and be a goldfish, the happiest animal on the planet, because they only have a 10 second memory. So I'm going to be a goldfish here for the rest of the podcast. Got to get back to my roots. I took the whole week off work this week, crunching numbers, analyzing the stats, analyzing players, analyzing. Um, analyzing some matchups. It's all going to come back this week. Water finds its level. Hey, Bagman is back. Some good weeks. You might get a statue built of you. Oh, speaking of statues. Statues, let's talk. South Carolina decided today to uh, erect a million-dollar Gamecock statue, uh, 20 feet tall by 20 feet wide. Did you say erect? Erect a cock, yes. A million-dollar cock, to be exact. Well, um, I mean, during a pandemic, you know, when, when you're having to lay off athletic staff and athletic, you know, departments are getting cut left and right, I'm good for South Carolina to look inward and say, you know what? Let's spend a million dollars on a statue of of a of a gamecock of a cock outside of our stadium to really you know show our what we think is important in the in these trying times. Did you know they furloughed twenty five percent of their top staff? Oh uh, yeah, ten percent pay the rest of the year, and they use that to uh, buy a million dollar cock. Yeah, you, I haven't you, I haven't crunched the numbers, but that the numbers that you just said from an entire athletic department in the SEC, I think that would pony up a million dollars to be able to create said statue. I mean, I'm assuming the statue is made of, like, like gold or something? Yes, yes. williams Bryce Stadium, you know, the, the mecca of college football, needs a million-dollar statue outside to be able to 
show its its you know its its glory like the Yankee Stadium. Now I have a question: When uh, Will Muschamp's wa- wife walks by, will she jump on that cock or what? I don't. I mean, who? Will Muschamp probably? What did, what did he say? He doesn't sleep with his wife during the season or something like that. Doesn't he like avoid all? I think all... I think when he loses, he refuses to sleep with his wife. So we we'll have to check the bowl game. I can't remember if they won or lost theirs, but it. It might have been in dry off season for Miss Muschamp. <laughs> so she'll be she she probably is the, this is probably how Will Muschamp makes his wife happy. But yeah, no, that is a wild move by South Carolina in these times. Speaking of million dollar cocks, uh, did you see what Ole Miss did? Uh, no, what what they do? Uh, they did a uh, shout out to uh, first responders and doctors and nurses who are Ole Miss alum and decided to put on a memorabilia cup for Week One of the college football season for all the fans who are in attendance to see who the Rebels are who are, uh, you know, helping people in America. That's nice. And it turns out someone put the top male-grossing porn star, Johnny Sins, dressed as a doctor on the cup. So it made it on the cup? Yes. So right now Ole Miss has memorabilia cups of doctors and nurses from the Ole Miss community with a porn star right dead center. Well, Johnny Sins, I mean, people forget he was a he was an actor of a, of a doctor. So, I mean, you know, is, is an actor playing a doctor? Before he takes all of his clothes off, the same as an actual doctor? I think yes. I think yes, too. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we at one point, wasn't Johnny Sins also the quarterback at South Carolina? So this all kind of comes full circle for us. <laughs> I, think, I think that was in the lost tapes. I think that was in the Chinese lost tapes uh, the, from the, last year. The when... lost tapes of hotter quarterbacks. We need to bring that back. Our that, was the, that was the LeBron, China, Daryl Morey, LeBron, China, uh, when they hacked my computer and, and had the lost tapes. But... That's neither here nor there. We don't need to get off on a tangent here of of quarterbacks and 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 million dollar statues of a gamecock. Let's get back to the real nitty gritty here. Get some of our picks for this week. I guess we'll uh, jump right into it. Uh, we'll go Saturday morning, eleven a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Charlotte at App State. Charlotte is a seventeen point dog. Um, Will Healy's back for his second season. Uh, both teams kind of finished the season off really hot, except for Charlotte in the Bahamas Bowl. They were on the wrong side of the well, sun. Well, the sun was the sun was blocked that day, if you remember. We, oh, had, course, we had our finger on the pulse of what sideline is the hot sideline. But come game day, everything was it was cloudy. It was a classic Bahama um, wintry day. And so there wasn't a big heat index on that one side. So we didn't get that. So we were kind of thrown off on that bet last year. But I do remember I do remember them being in that bowl game. But yeah, uh, here I'm taking Charlotte plus 17 and a half. We've got a young coach who almost got hired away. Uh, he stayed. They made all the emotional videos. It was very uh, Tiger High-esque. But uh, I like Charlotte here. 17 is just too many for a team this good, um, especially when you got even competition at the FBS level of a group of six teams. Uh, who do you got back, man? So, so App State's coach is now the Missouri coach, correct? Yes. And did he bring his any coordinators with him? Uh, that I cannot tell you. Okay. I, I I think I read somewhere that both coordinators have also moved on. So the head coach and the coordinators from App State. App State was twelve and one last year. They had a pretty damn good team, a very successful season. But I'm going with you here. I agree. Will Healy is kind of like a young hot name in the coaching searching world. Um, he was he had his name floated around for a couple of the SEC openings this past year. I think he'll have his team ready to play. I don't, these you know these are FBS teams, so I'm not super locked in here. But I will take the young, energetic head coach who's been there for a couple years over a first year head over coach. a first year head coach without his uh, you know in a whole new system, especially in you know in COVID times where you didn't get a spring practice, you've had limited fall camp. Every install, every you know, new system is going to take a little bit longer to get acclimated to the new team. So I'll take the the standing head coach here with 
what, 17 points of spread 17, here? yes. Yeah, I'll take the 17 here for Charlotte. Uh, next game we're topping into, the 230 game, ABC, Georgia Tech, traveling to Florida State. Uh, I'll jump right in on this. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but Georgia Tech, it's his second-year head coach, second-year coordinators at both spots, returning 17 starters, and FSU has just been a shit show the last few years. Boosters down there pissed. Uh, I just honestly, I think Florida State is in a no-man zone right now, and I think Georgia Tech getting 13 and bringing back coaches and bringing back 17 means Hey, we didn't get to practice, but we'll still be as good as we were to finish off last season. If you minus their Georgia game where they got crushed, Mm -hmm. they finished out last season pretty hot with a win against NC State, uh, close against UVA. So I really like uh, Georgia Tech here. Yeah, Jeff Collins is the head coach at Georgia Tech. He uh, what a memorable name. Yeah, very. I had to I had to Google that on the on the side over here. But he was at Bama before, uh, and then he was at Clemson before that. So he's learned under some good head coaches. They are. You got to remember they were three and nine last year, but. They were transitioning from a triple option team to what Jeff Collins wants to run is more of a, you know, normal system instead of the triple option. So you got to give them a little bit of a pass. They were turning it around towards the end of last year. I remember them getting their ass kicked at halftime, I think by like Clemson or someone. And they came back out and they were doing all that. They were like, they like bowed up at, at midfield to the other team running out of the tunnel. And I was like, dude, you're getting your ass kicked. But I kind of love the energy and the fire. Oh, no, they there. got like three players ejected from the Georgia game last <laughs> okay, year. Okay, maybe that was it. Before yeah. Georgia played in like the SEC championship game, Georgia Tech's players got three of their players suspended from yeah, talking they, so much shit. They were, they were terrible and they got their ass kicked. But I kind of like the fire underneath them. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, they're in year two now of the transition. So you would think they're a little bit better here. I, I read that 20 of their 21 tack top, uh, returning tacklers are back, so the defense should be pretty stout. And like like uh, Pullman said over here, you know, Florida State's been a shit show all offseason. Their players were complaining to, about the head coach not having any COVID-related protocols, protocol, safety protocols. They weren't testing. They weren't doing any sort of distancing. This was early on when – Coaches should have been taken. Also, it's Mike Norvell in Tallahassee. He's definitely been getting into trouble the last six months. Yeah, he had some. He had some rumors going on while he was well, in Memphis. Who if knows you what's can going get into in trouble in Memphis and Little Rock, sure as shit, you can get in trouble down in Tallahassee. In, in Tallahassee, it's much easier to get in trouble. So, you yeah. remember when he had cornrows when he was in college? People forget that. Yeah, where was he at Central Arkansas? It's UCA. Yeah. God, yeah. I love that. Picture. What a what a time. But yeah, his like the 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 captains of the team were taking to Twitter and writing these long messages that the, the locker room was kind of lost. And I mean, like I said about the, the um, app, app state coach, anytime you get a new head coach in during these times, you're not going to have as much time to install. I think Mike Norvell over time will be good at Florida state. I think his offense will be good. Um, I think he'll be able to, to kind of implement the same thing he did at Memphis, but you know, it's very early on. James Blackman, the quarterback, I do not trust at all. He's been there for a while, but he's never really been good. He's never proven anything to me. So I'll take the the up and coming Georgia Tech team that's a little more fiery, a little more I don't know, a little more enthusiastic about this game. Might be a little more fired up than the team that's been you know fractured all off season with a new head coach and a, and a divided locker room. So, uh, but before we get to the next game, let me circle back, Pullman. You missed a pretty big game at 11 o'clock on the um, ACC Network. Syracuse at North Carolina. Syracuse catching 23 points here over under 65 and a half. North Carolina, sneaky, sneaky ACC, kind of like trendy team. 18th ranked um, in the polls right now. They're returning Sam Howell, a freshman quarterback who kind of lit it up last year. He had 38 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. 
Mac Brown, Phil Longo, they're chasing space out there in North Carolina. They're, um, you know, finding space, changing graph. They only have 23 plays for the quarterback to memorize, for the defense to analyze. So North Carolina is a very trendy pick. Syracuse, on the other hand, has kind of had a tumultuous offseason. A lot of their players were opting out. A lot of their players were kind of skipping practices early on because they didn't think they had the right safety protocols in place. It was Dino Babers had some some serious, you know, juggling to do with, with, with COVID and all of his players up there, especially in the Northeast where I feel like it was even more critical than in North Carolina and some of the southern states. So this is a this is a big point spread. I don't know. I think I read that North Carolina hadn't been a twenty three point uh, favorite in an conference game in like 10 years or something crazy so 23 points is a lot here Pullman, i figured they played i figured they played duke enough for that to happen but well um, i mean north carolina has been shitty for so long yeah i really don't have a feel on this game i just kind of said punt it in the sun um i've kind of thought north carolina has been a fr- acc fraud for a couple years or for a year and a half now by that i mean i think that they're an above average team but playing the acc they're squeaking out some good win or some close wins getting by on an easy schedule and it's kind of a Ponzi scheme of a football team. Yeah, so I actually do have a pick here. I'm going to take the under of 65.5 here. Um, UNC, while they are trendy and people are picking them, Sam Howell kind of has some high Heisman odds. People forget UNC lost to Wake Forest, App State, Virginia, and Pitt last year. Um, not So not a great resume there. They're getting a lot of public money right now because you know they're trendy and everything, and Syracuse has had a troubling offseason. I'm not going to take Syracuse and the points here because it's just it's a weird line right there, but I will take the under of 65.5. That is a lot of points for an opening weekend. I don't know if Syracuse can really score at all, and I don't trust North Carolina and Phil Longo especially to be able to chase enough space to score enough points to cover that 65.5 point line. So early in the early in the season, early in the day, 11 o'clock kickoff, I'll take the under of 65.5. That's a lot of points. Give me the under. I like it there in that opening of the uh, ACC. Pullman, what's our next game? Next up, we have uh, Wake Forest-Clemson, 6.30 ABC night game. Uh, Wake Coast, they are a 33.5 point dog. Yeah, this is a huge line for a Clemson team that – you remember last year they played A&M early on, kind of in a similar thing where they went on the road against a you know a Power Five team. They only won by like twelve points against A&M. Now A&M was pretty spunky and that was in um, Kyle Field, which is much different. Than and it was juggling between three and two possessions, so it's not yeah, like they were ever in the game. There. But they were always there. in the. But cover. still, thirty-three points to open a season against a conference opponent is a ton of points. So I'm gonna kind of avoid that point spread. I think I would take. I would go with the talent here. Clemson's loaded. I think if I had to take a side, I would take Clemson and just lay them and pray. But I'm going to take the over here. You know what Clemson has. You know Trevor Lawrence. They've got plenty of firepower on that side of the ball. But Wake Forest, people forget, Jamie Newman left, went to Georgia. Then Georgia brought in another quarterback from USC. So Jamie Newman is now preparing for the draft. But but even when he was there, he was a running quarterback. But they ran a low-key, up-tempo offense. Their offense was very, you know, it was it was fast-paced. They scored a lot of points, even though Jamie Newman was a very good quarterback. But people forget their new quarterback started nine games as a freshman two years ago. So he was kind of the starter. Jamie Newman came in and was freakishly talented and, and supplanted him as the quarterback. But they don't. It's not like this guy is chopped liver here. So he's going to be able to take that high-paced offense. I hope he can score two or three touchdowns, maybe get to 20, somewhere in the 20s range, so that Clemson can get around 
40 points, 45 points. I think they score at ease against Wake Forest here. Over under of 60. I think that's a pretty easy number here. I'm going to take the over. Yeah, uh, here I love Clemson. Um, I got a little interesting tidbit for you. Last year, Wake Forest was 7-1 and one, uh, with a uh, plus point differential of 107 in their first eight games. Wake Forest? Wake Forest. In their last five games, though, they were 1-4 with a point differential of minus 71 when they really played the top end of their schedule. Last year, they lost 60 or 52-3 to to Clemson. I think they just struggle against top-end talent. I think Wake Forest can show up against lesser talent, but I think when you're going against the best quarterback prospect in the last 20 years, an incredible, wouldn't you say Travis Etienne is the Travis best? Etienne. Etienne, he's the best or second best running back in college football. He's, yeah, he's very good. I'm, I'm, I'd have to crunch some numbers there. Jer, Neal, or, uh, yeah, Jerry Ely's I think good. I think with those two, you're going to put up 35, 42 points in the first half. And then all it's about is just running the ball. Ooh, that's and a lot of points clock. in the first half. I like that. Yeah, and points. then after that, you just keep the ball in their hands and you use the rest of your successful running backs. I just don't think Wake's got enough talent to keep up with the Clemson size, either with the ones or twos. So I really see this as a game where, yeah, the ones get brought out when it's a 35-point game halfway through the second or halfway through the third, yeah. but the twos can lay it on them as well. Yeah. And Wake Forest, probably in the COVID year, will probably be wanting to pull their ones as well. So uh, I really like Clemson, Clemson here. Clemson was also like, what, like 7-1 and one against ACC teams last year against the spread. Like, they, they crushed every SEC I, I think opponent. I think they lost their first one and one early one against it was, the spread. No, it was the, yeah, I think it was North Carolina early in the year. And then they everyone hopped like off the train, two. and then they just were a covering machine the rest of the year. Yes. So Trevor Lawrence also got, got a second ring, so shout out him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not an advocate of a 21-year-old getting engaged while he's in college, about to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. I think that might be a little premature, maybe test the waters a little bit when you got real number one NFL pick money. Hey, but when you got Dabo in your year, you're always uh, – you're, always, you're like a drive down the middle of the fairway, 230 yards. It's just a safe play, baby. Yes, Dabo. Well, yeah, Dabo. Dabo, being the religious man he is as well, he probably, you know, he's probably got some. He wants that early, that early engagement to be able. Well, to, he he probably wants the early engagement and the early kids so he can start recruiting Trevor Lawrence Jr. That's definitely what it is. I've already got my eyes set on Arch Manning here in the next. I think he's a sophomore in high school. Have we been recruiting Arch Manning for the last ten years? Um, me personally, as a bag man, yes, but we've gone through so many coaches in the past 10 years that that none of them have stuck so it's all been for naught but I have been doing my part that's good to hear and but no but I, I, would, I do want to kind of discuss Jamie Newman the Wake Forest old quarterback that transferred to Georgia who did they, they brought in uh JT Daniels from USC how shysty of a move is that for Kirby Smart to promise Jamie get Jamie Newman to leave Wake Forest to come to Georgia promising the starting quarterback job all of a sudden about three months later JT Daniels says I'm going to transfer from USC Former five-star quarterback, freshman, All-American, was was very good at USC early in his career. So Kirby then sees that and says, ooh, that's another shiny new toy I can go get. Goes and gets him, and now Jamie Newman's not even playing college football this year. He says he's preparing for the NFL draft, which I don't even know if he's going to get drafted, but that's a shysty move by Kirby. Kirby does that with all of his quarterbacks. He will throw you out like chopped liver in a heartbeat because he knows he needs to get that natty because he doesn't want to be yeah. la- labeled – uh, the next Mark Richt. So. I know. Well, I was I was just thinking like like how... it is shysty to offer two trades. Yeah. One guy commit and the next guy come in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was thinking like because I kind of forgot about Jamie Newman's uh, until I was kind of doing a little research and saw he was at Wake Forest last year and I was like, damn, that that must suck to have, think you were the starting quarterback at Georgia and then all of a sudden you know you don't even step foot in on campus or practice ever and you get supplanted. You get relegated to yeah. Uh, 
hey, you want to go play at Augusta and it's State? Not like, and it's not like you can transfer again in the same season and go play somewhere else. Like he had already been deemed eligible. Like he was, he was literally like the starter. And next thing you know, JT Daniels is in, and within the month, he's trans. He's he's sitting out the year. So I don't know. I just thought that's classic Kirby, classic like going for the ship no matter what. It's a, just another thing out of Saban's book that he would that he keeps trying to replicate. Oh yeah. Um, should we move on to our second to last game? Uh, yes. Tulane being hosted by your USA Jags jagging off. Uh, oh, yeah. Shout Mobile. out Mobtown. Mobile, baby. The only reason we're uh, – the only source of uh, Bagman's one win of week one, the Jags. Shout out Jags. Uh, and here I'm going to ride the Jags again uh, plus 10 at home. My only note here just says uh, jagging off, so I'm going to go with that. Yep. Well, I was jagging myself off all the way to my one out of uh, my one and four record, my only win last week. I will be fading them this week. This is a oh, class. this is a class. I have my finger on the pulse of all things Mobile, all things Jags, being my hometown. So I'm gonna fade them here. Mobile is a wannabe New Orleans. South Alabama is a wannabe Tulane. Uh, Mobile thinks they started Mardi Gras. That's up for debate. New Orleans does Mardi Gras ten times better. Um, New Orleans is a bigger Catholic city than Mobile. Mobile wants to be a Catholic city. It's all it, Mobile is just the the little the little brother to New Orleans, and it'll show again here. I think this is also a classic overreaction to Week One, where people saw South Alabama as a 14 point underdog beat Southern Miss outright and just kind of boat race them. So I think Tulane hadn't played yet. No one's seen them. I think this is a classic overreaction from the public and from Vegas is assuming that there's going to be an overreaction too. I think nine points is not enough. I'm going to lay the nine here um, with with New Orleans going to Mobile and taking what's rightfully theirs. So this is a little mayor's bet, but I guess if I win, I get your hometown. Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, but what do I get if I win? Uh, you get New Orleans. I, what? I mean, yeah, I'll take New Orleans, but how, do, how are you going to give me New Orleans? Because I'm jagging off, baby. I know, but you don't have any right to give me New Orleans. I have all the right to give you Mobile, but you have no stakehold to New Orleans. To I just 4-1. That, right, that's my right. stakehold. Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. I, hey, goldfish, goldfish. I'm forgetting this already. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh, that's South Alabama Tulane. We're, we're got a mayor's bet there. So we're going to go into our last game of the night, Duke versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame giving up 20 and a half points here at home against Duke. Over under set at 54 here. And I believe we have a special guest, Pullman. Yeah, introducing our special guest um, straight out of Durham, straight out of Boston. Uh, no one other than himself, Duke Red Sox. Duke Red Sox, how are you doing and what are you thinking about this game? Oh, you're, you, no, duh, you're Duke Red Sox. This is the Duke-Notre Dame game. This Notre is Dame the, giving up 20 and a half. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me go ahead and draw a firm line in the sand. Uh, the, the Duke in my name is strictly related to the men's basketball team, led by Coach K. Krzyzewski, formerly uh, led by J.J. Riddick, uh, who is now a perennial powerhouse in the NBA. So I'm going to have to go with Notre Dame. Uh, that's an easy pick on my side. Uh, I, I have heard... Uh, some some rumors that that fuck Clayburg Sisk picked on the Duke side. So uh, if that tells you anything, it should be an easy win uh, 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 for my folks out in South Bend. Duke Red Sox, um, thank you for your pick on this game. And just real quick uh, before we hit you off, uh, anything on the Red Sox season? Uh, yeah, this season's a watch. I haven't watched a single game. I don't know who would. Uh, anything that's uh, going to end uh, before 2021, 
So does the uh, NBA no, is no Yankees, as far as I'm concerned. So NBA playoffs canceled? What if uh, what if the Yankees lose out? Is the baseball season count still? Uh, yes, if the Red Sox have, a, have some some miracle of a turnaround, then, then the season's back on. What uh, about if the Yankees have a turnaround? Cancel the season. Brilliant, Brilliant. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, go Duke. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. And that was Duke Red Sox. Uh, great to have him on the pod. He sounded a little under the weather, but um, still great to hear from him. Yeah, a little a little uh, lower volume than I'm, I'm used to hearing his voice. But nonetheless, he still gave a, a great pick. I am also on Notre Dame here. I, I, I love Ian Book. I think... I think Notre Dame's a legitimate team. I think they're, they're a top a legit. 10. They're a legit national championship contender this year. Let's not go that. They're they're a legit team to get into the college football playoffs and then get get their ass kicked by either Alabama or Clemson. But they're a legit Final Four contender here. First game in the ACC, so you know I think they want to come out guns blazing, trying to establish their dominance here in the ACC for the first time. People forget that Duke's quarterback now is Bryce uh, Chase Bryce, who was Clemson's like towel boy. I thought it was Bryce Chase. Dry, whatever, that's the douchiest name either way. Chase Bryce or Bryce Chase, you're a Chad nonetheless. He was a towel boy, I'm pretty sure, for Clemson last year. He was so far down the depth chart. Transfers to Duke. He's not any good. I think he's trash. Uh, Duke also lost their senior linebacker. He was the captain of the team. And they lost three of their best defensive linemen. So I think Notre Dame's just going to run the ball down their throats, control the line of scrimmage, get whatever they want on first and second down. Ian Book will have some short third down throws to pick and pop and drive it down the field, score easy touchdowns. Notre Dame's defense is super solid. I don't know. I love Notre Dame here. No fans in the stands in South Bend. Touchdown Jesus. Looking down over the top, though, that's the only fan you really need. I love Notre Dame. I'll lay the 20 and a half. Give me it all day. Yeah, I love Notre Dame here, too, as well. Uh Uh, I just think there's too much talent. Notre Dame's bringing back a ton of offensive line talent, bringing back the quarterback. Uh, Duke, a lot of losses. And also, I just think Cutcliffe's lost a step, to be honest. I think he's getting up there in age. I think he's going to retire soon. I don't know how much longer he wants to be there about coaching-wise. And I just... I'm, I'm really feeling Notre Dame is a championship contender this year. And I think their first ever conference game, they're going to come up, come out and roll Duke. And I, the Irish, like I said, talent up and down the depth chart and talent at the top of the depth chart that has started games before. Consensus quake here with Duke Red Sox pulling profiteer and Rebs Bagman hey, all in Notre Dame. At least uh, Claybrook's on the other side. Yes, that is true. That is true. So we're, we should be good then. Yes. But no, uh, yeah, I, I also read that um, Cutcliffe, has taken control back of the play calling from his OC because they were like second to last in the ACC last year in scoring. Yeah, that just means uh, he can get it evolved again and uh, well, I mean, keep transferring back and forth. We call it the Bill O'Brien. <laughs> we call it the uh, the Ray Allen, the back and forth. Um, but no, I think when you're like a 75-year-old head coach and you're taking back play calling from your offensive coordinator... You've gone not, senile. Yeah, that might not be the best thing to do. I think that's, yeah, you've gone full senile. You've completely lost all control. So I think that's actually a good thing from us. So that that's the, the main, uh, that's our last game here. Pullman, do you have any other games that you'd just like to touch on before we call it a you know this is just going to be in the notes of history but uh love 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 the game tonight love uab blazer all yeah, the way well, let's go ahead and talk about both games tonight start of nfl and we get uh uab in miami so this is for the record we're recording this at 6 30 before both games so y'all can hear our picks here 
for to see if we actually are correct or not. But we can go ahead and give them. I'll go ahead and say I agree. I'm on UAB here. I don't trust Derek King. I don't. You know, I I thought he was good at Houston, but that was because he had inferior competition. He's playing against some scrub teams. He was able to run around and throw the ball down the field and find open receivers. That might not be the case here. Um, you know, with some little bit better opponents. I know UAB is UAB, but I, I love UAB here. They they were covering machines last year. Didn't cover week one. I think they bounced back and cover the, what, 14 and a half? I think it's 14 up to 15 and a half, and a half right now. I think, I think they've gotten some more juice. Um, and then, again, uh, the NFL game, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Houston Texans. I'm going to lay the nine and a half here with Kansas City and take the over. So I'm doing the cover, the cover and the over uh, with the Chiefs and the over 54. I think Mahomes is going to be too much. Um, I love points all over the place. I think the over is going to hit easily, and the Chiefs eventually cover by, with scoring like 40 points in this game. I, I like the under here just because it's in the 50s, and I say why not. Under on the first game of the season? Why not? You must not love football. I, I love football. Football doesn't love me. You think uh, Deshaun Watson and, and Pat Mahomes are a little too fat and happy with their new contracts? Their new contracts. A little fat and happy. Their little girlfriends over there. Oh, yeah. A little Mike Leach boat right yeah. there. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence getting engaged, Pat Mahomes also engaged too soon. People forget you don't get engaged the week after you sign a five hundred million dollar contract. That's like rule number one. Of I'll, signing I'll write that down contract. in my notes. The only other um, uh, principal game I have from this last week or for this upcoming week of college football games, I said earlier, uh, week one overreaction of people betting USA, my South Alabama Jags. I think people saw that week one, them beating Southern Miss. They are going to freak out and bet them again week two, thinking they're really good. That's why I took Tulane. Same thing here with Army. Army blitzkrieged whoever they played in week one. Now they're a 21-point favorite against uh, ULM, Louisiana Monroe. So I'm going to take the 21 points here uh, with ULM. It opened as a 15-point line. It's all the way up to a 21-point line because the public's just hammering Army because of what they saw last week. I'm going to reverse that trend. Principal play here. Give me ULM plus the 21 points. I hope it gets up even further by game time. So that's my that's my last pick of the week. Oh, uh, wait, no, one more, one more. We have the Pac-12 after dark game that's not the Pac-12 because they don't exist. Um, we have a 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time kickoff. So if, you're, if your picks have gone to shit throughout the day and you need a saving grace later on, we, we don't have uh, Arizona State versus Cal or Oregon State versus Oregon. We do have Kansas versus Coastal Carolina, though. So, 9 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, Coastal Carolina at Kansas. Coastal Carolina catching 6.5 here. I love the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. They actually beat Kansas last year. They're catching 6.5 here. And a little nugget, a little nugget that I have from a little research I did, before spring practices were canceled because of COVID, Coastal Carolina got in 15 practices this spring, and Kansas had zero. So Kansas canceled the whole spring season because of COVID. Coastal Carolina had 15 practices. That's a little bit of a leg up on the competition there. I know Les Miles is at Kansas, but Coastal Carolina, sneaky little dog here. I like them at plus 6.5 to upset that. So if you have to throw something on that 9 o'clock late night game, I'm doing it on Coastal Carolina. Give me them over Kansas, who, let's face it, Kansas is always trash in football. So Pullman, uh, do you have anything else to address before we call it a day? Yeah, so some of you guys may even notice uh, we we're a little short on voices today, and that's because our producer, Boomer, is no longer with us, and that's because...